Welcome to Grand Rounds Nation on ReachMD, presenting the best Grand Rounds from across the country. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. This week's Grand Rounds comes to us from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta, Georgia, and is titled TB and HIV, a deadly duo. Welcome to the CDC's Public Health Grand Rounds. I'm Tanya Popovich, Scientific Director of the Grand Rounds. Today, we have an unbelievable group of speakers. We have our own experts, some of whom have flown, like Jay, from China to be here with us. We have Dr. Mario Raviglioni, who is the director of the WHO Stop TB program, who is going to be joining us virtually in a few minutes. And we have our own director, who is going to be one of the speakers. One of the things that I do want to point out that speakers here, this is extremely impressive, are all speaking from their own personal experiences in the field, dealing with terror of tuberculosis, and especially when combined with HIV. And as you can imagine, this is truly an international team that putting this particular team together was a little bit of a challenge because of the time differences. Some people were in China, some people were in Geneva, so we had like 15, 16 hours difference. But we did manage to practice because practice makes perfect. (laughs) And here are my team that worked diligently with me over the past few weeks so that you can enjoy the event today. So normally Dr. Frieden would say a couple of comments, but because he is one of the speakers today, we have asked Ken Castro, director of the TB Division for TB Elimination, to say a few opening remarks. Thank you, Tanya, and I'll keep this very brief because I really want to hear what these guys have to say. Welcome to today's Public Health Grand Rounds. Uh, today, CDC is announcing that the United States currently has the lowest incidence of tuberculosis since public health reporting began. We contrast this situation with that in the rest of the world, where HIV is driving a reemergence of tuberculosis very similar to that experienced in the United States between 1985 and 1992. At that time, I had to brief Dr. Jim Curran, then CDC's Associate Director for HIV-AIDS, and as you well know, now Dean of the Rollins School of Public Health, about the burdening problem of HIV-associated tuberculosis and drug resistance. And in typical Jim Curran fashion, at the conclusion of the briefing, he said, Ken, So what you tell me is that TB and HIV hang out together and they're a bad influence on each other. (laughs) He clearly reflected an understanding of the syndemic nature of these two pathogens. During those days, our agency director, Dr. Frieden, spent much of his time as an EIS officer investigating outbreaks of multidrug-resistant tuberculosis associated with HIV infection. Today we will review some of the challenges associated with accurately ruling out tuberculosis disease in HIV-infected persons before initiating potentially life-saving isoniazid preventive therapy. Also, we'll see how the results of the studies presented here became part of the evidence basis used by WHO to derive new policy. In my opinion, this reflects CDC at its best 
working with global partners in the practical application of public health research to improve programs which benefit patients. Our first presenter this morning is Dr. Jay Varma, Chief of CEC's Emerging Infections Program in China. Good morning. My name is Jay Varma, and I will set the context for understanding why HIV and TB are friends without benefits. There are several common misconceptions. The first is that TB is a single disease. In fact, TB exists in two different states, TB infection and TB disease. After exposure to a person with infectious TB disease, a susceptible person may develop TB infection. A person with TB infection may go on to develop TB disease. The lifetime risk of developing TB disease is 10 to 15 percent. But that risk, however, is greatly increased in people with HIV infection. The TB specialist, therefore, views the world as three discrete populations. People with no TB infection, people with TB infection, and people with TB disease. Of the estimated 6.9 billion people in the world, 2.3 billion are already infected with TB. And more than 9 million develop TB disease each year. India and China alone together account for 2 million cases each year. In contrast, as you just heard from Dr. Castro, the US reports less than 12,000 cases each year. TB is responsible for more than 2 million deaths each year. And TB causes more deaths in women than pregnancy and childbirth complications. TB, unfortunately, is not easy to diagnose. Only two assays, the tuberculin skin test and the interferon gamma release assay, diagnose TB infection. But these can be difficult to implement in resource-limited settings. For TB disease, multiple tests exist, but none of them are ideal. The most widely used test is a microscopic examination of sputum for acid-fast bacilli, also known as the sputum smear test. The global TB strategy has focused on increasing access to this test because it is inexpensive and highly specific for infectious TB. Culture of sputum for TB is the most sensitive test, but it's challenging to implement in resource-limited settings. A sensitive, easy-to-use PCR assay has recently been validated, but it's expensive, and evidence about its impact and feasibility is still lacking. Let's now focus on why HIV and TB together are a dangerous duo. People with HIV are more likely to develop TB. HIV makes TB harder to diagnose and treat, and HIV patients have a high risk of dying during TB treatment. Let's look at each of these challenges in more detail. Data from Africa in the 1990s demonstrates that HIV is the single most powerful risk factor for progressing from TB infection to disease. As the HIV epidemic spread throughout Africa, TB case rates rose dramatically. HIV has been driving a major epidemic of TB in Africa for the past 20 years. HIV makes TB even harder to diagnose. People with HIV and pulmonary TB frequently are sputum smear negative. 
and up to 20% may have completely normal chest x-rays. TB also frequently occurs outside the lungs. Because TB is both common and difficult to diagnose, many people with HIV feel ill, but they don't know that they have TB. A recent systematic review found that 8% of patients presenting to HIV clinics had undiagnosed TB disease. In maternal health clinics, the rate of undiagnosed TB is lower, but still striking. HIV also makes TB harder to treat. Patients must take several pills several times a day to treat both diseases. These drugs may interact with each other and have overlapping toxicity. After TB diagnosis, people with HIV have a high risk of dying during TB treatment. Many studies have shown that the case fatality rate has consistently been very high, with as many as 50% of HIV patients dying during TB treatment. In Southeast Asia, most of these deaths occur early during TB treatment. Studies I conducted while in Thailand showed that most of these deaths are due to delayed TB diagnosis. Any intervention to reduce the risk of death, therefore, has to occur either before TB diagnosis or very soon thereafter. People with HIV do not have to develop TB. TB can be prevented. First, you must find and treat TB in people with HIV. Second, you can give isoniazid for at least six months to people with HIV who do not have TB disease. This is to treat TB infection. But in 2009, only 0.2% of people living with HIV around the world received isoniazid preventive therapy, which is known as IPT, either because finding TB disease is difficult in settings with limited laboratory resources, or because the effect of IPT is not long-lasting. So how can we improve TB prevention among people living with HIV in resource-limited settings? We need answers to two important questions. The first question, in people with HIV not yet diagnosed with TB, is there a simple algorithm that frontline healthcare workers can use to identify patients who do not have TB disease? Second, in persons who were screened and found not to have TB disease, can treatment of TB infection for periods longer than six months prevent reinfection with TB? The next two speakers will discuss how CDC research helped answer these questions to move global health policy forward. The next speaker is uh, Dr. Kevin Kane, who is currently the chief of the TBHIV team within the Division of Tuberculosis Elimination. Kevin? Good morning, and thank you all for coming today. It's my pleasure to be here today to speak with you about how to rule out TB in people with HIV, which is a first critical step to TB diagnosis and prevention. WHO guidelines in 2007 recommended screening all people for TB by asking if they had chronic cough. If present, diagnostic evaluation for TB was indicated, while if absent, TB was considered to be ruled out. This approach was based on expert opinion from the pre-HIV era and had not been validated in people with HIV. Several problems were quickly identified. First, 
small studies suggested low sensitivity of chronic cough for TB screening in people with HIV. Uptake of the strategy was low. Most importantly, in people with HIV who had TB, the case fatality rate was very high. To try to develop an evidence-based algorithm for TB screening and diagnosis, we designed a study called Improving Diagnosis of TB in People with HIV. The study was funded by USAID. Some of the sites where it was implemented are supported by PEPFAR. The goal was to develop a simple, sensitive rule for TB screening in people with HIV. Using standardized laboratory procedures in all countries, we did mycobacterial culture and smear of six to seven specimens for each patient. Patients with a positive culture for TB from any site were defined as having TB. We collected standardized epidemiologic data on all patients, including data on over 50 different signs and symptoms. We calculated performance characteristics of individual signs and symptoms and all possible combinations thereof, totaling over 80 million. We then calculated the yield of different diagnostic tests. To summarize this study, 15% of people with HIV had TB disease, an important finding because undiagnosed TB is frequently fatal in people with HIV. We succeeded in identifying a simple, sensitive approach using three symptoms to rule out TB. Screening based on chronic cough fails to detect most TB patients and should not be used alone for TB screening in people with HIV. We did not identify a simple approach to ruling in TB disease, but we did find that smear is inadequate for this purpose and that sputum culture is generally needed. The challenge is that liquid culture is rarely available and is difficult to implement, requiring high levels of training, biosafety, and supervision. A new self-contained PCR-based test was recently released and endorsed by WHO as the initial diagnostic test of choice in people with HIV because of its simplicity and sensitivity. We do not know yet, however, if it can be effectively scaled up. To determine whether data from this study could be extrapolated globally, WHO and CDC collaborated on an individual patient data meta-analysis, which supported our results finding that a very similar combination of symptoms had high sensitivity for TB. The evidence was quickly translated into global policy. WHO recently released new guidelines which incorporate the combination of predictors identified in the meta-analysis. Dr. Riviglioni will talk about this in more detail. Personally, what I find most encouraging is to see that these scientific findings are already impacting patients. The revised WHO policy is being scaled up globally, and with substantial financial investment from PEPFAR and hard work from many CDC field staff, many of whom are in this room today, these findings are being brought to patients. Effective collaborations within and outside of the U.S. government were essential to addressing an important knowledge gap, namely how to screen for TB in people with HIV to translating these findings into global policy and rapidly bringing these life-saving advances to patients. Now that you have seen the approaches to screening for TB in people with HIV, Dr. Taraz Samandri will focus on the second major issue, and that is TB prevention in people with HIV. We'll return for more from this session of Grand Rounds Nation after a short break. <laughs> 